Welcome to Super Superstitious. <laughs> the paranormal podcast that uses science to examine the spooky and strange. There you go. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And uh, welcome we did it. back. We yeah, did we it got right. through it pretty well. I need to now turn off this ad for Hellboy. Oh. The, it's uh, off. Okay. And yeah, we're, we're back. back after the uh, explosive <laughs> and dynamic <laughs> previous episode. <laughs> Yeah, I think we need sure to happened. design a window, a view pane to look into the device. Next thing, so we can see, I mean, depending on how, yeah, we don't know whether the matches lasted uh, 10,000 full years or just 30 Half minutes. Hour, yeah. yeah. So it could have been anywhere in between, depending on how long it actually was. And towards the end there, it could have been up to 100 billion years. That's true. <laughs> so it Many might times be... <laughs> larger than the entire history of the planet Earth. <laughs> and indeed the universe. <laughs> yes. By at least an order of magnitude. <laughs> so it might all happen in such a blur that we can't really observe much, but it's still worth trying out to see what mm-hmm. some of the actual competitions between those cults would look like. Mm-hmm. So we can keep that in mind in the future. For the W, double C. W. But today we have for you a potpourri, a smelly combination of topicless topics, stories without a home, Homes tales. without stories. Yes. It's like a fun orphanage. <laughs> oh, no. Um, before we get into our random ass stories, well, first of all, I don't know who's going first because last week was so different. I sure hope you mean a random ass story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Second of all... Do we want to talk a little more about that fancy, wonderful thing we created and launched in our last episode, but didn't really give much time to? Let's jump right our in. Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> Which uh, is to say, Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> what more do we need to say, honestly? Probably everything. Yeah, kind of. We've already met our first goal, which is breaking even making this show, <laughs> which is really cool. That's awesome. Thank you all so very much. And uh, yeah, we still have, though, many fun goals in mind. Uh, including, you know, hopefully potentially doing field expeditions with this show, yes. going out looking for some of the creepy creatures we, and haunted spookiness that we've talked about. We live near many a thing that could be for um, done, have, <laughs> is, yeah. And uh, we'd like to have more guests and stuff, you know, facilitate that happening, you know, looking further ahead, even cooler stuff. But things that you could get in turn from helping us out, we'll post videos on our private news feed of like updates of what's going on with the show things of uh you know our goofy little self doing goofy little things that you can't see anywhere else you could get a wealth of outtakes as we stumble through the recording process yes curated outtakes from each month's worth of episodes just the funny ones not the ones where we're crying and throwing up yeah those are uh, they go carry on for way too long so we yeah. just kind of decided we couldn't always put those in um, you can also get bonus monthly mini-sows. There's a lot of things we'd like to cover that we can't really fit all into. A little into. bit of that extra tent. <laughs> exactly. Can't fit it all into a basic episode or else it would just get way too long. So we're going to just make a whole bonus additional episodes. You can get that at the Spring Heel Jacks uh, tier. Ten bucks a month. Finally, everyone can go, ha-ha! <laughs> all together with us. As well as being one of the uh, coveted glug sucks where you'll receive... Uh, an exclusive sticker. We'll have a new, different, super superstitious sticker. Different design every four months. Once that four months passes, uh, the design will no longer be made. And a new right. one will come out. And you can get those stickers every single and time we have a new one. Stick them on your trapper keeper. Stick them on your friends. 
Yeah. I don't care. Do what you want. <laughs> uh, at the next level up, you can also get all that stuff. Plus, if we when we start selling merch, which we will do, we're thinking t-shirts, we're thinking hoodies, we're thinking hats, maybe uh, some enamel pins would be cool down the road. Plastic lunchbox. <laughs> yes. Sporks. <laughs> the t- double-ended spork with the knife. Really, whatever you can think of. We're going to merchandise and maybe sell that. Probably napkins. Get a pack yes. of like 50 stack. <laughs> and uh, if you join at the Ashtar Command tier... You can receive uh, one item of your choosing from our store for free. Once Reusable that store straw. <laughs> just has like the transcript of an entire episode written down the length of it. Yeah, super cool. Uh, anyway, no, that's be some cooler, of the cool stuff. Cooler shit than that, even. Yeah, some of the cool stuff that you could get if you if you Ooh, help us out. Engraved glasses, perhaps. I was picturing eyeglasses. Like that seems really hard to. Oh wait, yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, okay. So we have a lot of different things we'd love to give you in return for all the amazing help that you'd be giving us by throwing your support our way on Patreon. Feel free to check it out. First link in our description. And, of course, if none of those things appeal, that's totally fair. You know, giving hard-earned money to anything other than oneself is tough. Giving it to us, even tougher still. We're morons. So there is a tier that we would still love you to show up at, which is the dollar or more, the puck wedgie tier. Yeah. You can simply be a humble supporter of the show. More patrons um, really boosts the donatability of a project. Yeah, it boosts um, our visibility too. Seeing how many um, how many people are actually supporting it makes us kind of rise in the ranks of Patreon itself and becomes seen by more. So even a modest uh, support rate of simply a dollar a month for a year. People say it all the time, but any little bit helps. It's true. Um, and with that, some with the show hot pori, some pot pori. Uh, do we have any idea who went first last? We kind of both jumped in. Oh, before our birthday before special. Before that thing happened. Mm, uh, I suspect I went first. I believe you. So we both record first at the other person's place. That, is that the deal? Or no? Because mm, we, You crafty we, devil. No. What? <laughs> Whoever's home usually is tracked first, I think. Except we last week did it at my place but did the special episode and that's what kerfuffleized things so I why see. don't you begin this time we yeah i looked at so you did the yowie thing last that thing. was yeah, yes so now we're now we're doing the thing i just said because that's how it is now because of that thing happening you sneaky i'm bitch. gonna just go should i go i'm gonna go <laughs> i believe you have updates if i'm not mistaken oh that's right i actually should do those god damn it all right i'm gonna do those first you uh, say that and then you talk even more look what you've walked yourself <laughs> into oh god no <laughs> Before I get started with my potpourri, here's some di- a different thing, which adds to the potpourri-esque qualities of this episode. That's right. It that is some even weirder now. Updates on sightings of the Phantom of, of the Chicago. Chicago. So this is the uh, giant humanoid flying bat creature being spotted over like the general Chicago metro area mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Really took off in 2017, but it's been happening since and kind of spreading around that area. He could have been flying for a lot longer than that. Took off, you say, geez. Oh, damn it. It's probably birds. Uh, it, might be, <laughs> it might be demons. Definitely flesh-like, whatever it is. It's, uh, no, no question. Um, we had a very um, vivacious update from a person on the field. Yes, so we were hoping uh, that uh, flame any... Flame killer, right? Was that his name? Fire killer. Fire killer. Yes. I'm already adapting his name to something else. <laughs> By the end, it's going to be like immolation destroyer or some bullshit. Anyway, <laughs> go on. Like that. Um, or uh, biggest dick guy, I think, also. <laughs> BDG. 
So just like uh, that children's book, <laughs> the BDG. <laughs> so I'm just going to go through a couple of additional reports that have come in. There's too many to touch today, so I'm just going to just do a few of them. And then, oh God, <laughs> carry on. Uh, what is that anyway? I don't know. I mean, it's beer, but I don't know which one it is. Mm, I don't know. Golden Path by Battery Steel Brewing. It's Bohemian-style Pilsner, so it's probably going to taste really cool and trendy. <laughs> or like it doesn't want to pay rent in the Lower East Side. Is that the right part? I Depends on one's approach. Place. Depends on one's approach. What's the Lower East Side? I don't even remember. A story. I don't know description the description here. of New York at all. just comes with a warning, basically. It says that women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy. Deal. So I don't know what that means it's going to taste like. <laughs> Cool. So uh, I'll start with a report from Monday, January 22nd of this year from Gary, Indiana. Uh, The witness, R.H., discussed these uh, observations. He said that his family had been on their front porch one evening in late September of 2018. This was on the 300 block of uh, East 43rd Avenue in Gary, Indiana. Across the street was a small lot with several tall trees. It was a clear night and the moon backlit the grove of trees. R.H.'s brother or father noticed a large winged being flying near the top of one of the trees. I don't know if he couldn't tell which family member it was or what. What? Um, Wait, yeah. Hit me with that again. R.H.'s brother or father noticed a large winged being flying near the top of one of the trees. Okay. And made the rest of the family aware of the being. Okay. The children were taken back into the house. R.H., his brother, and father continued to observe the winged humanoid, which was described as having a body of four to five feet in length. The wingspan was approximately 10 to 12 feet, but could have been larger. Mm-hmm. The entire body and wings were dark in color. He stated that the um, body reminded him of a large monkey in shape. The wings were bat-like and reflected in the moonlight. All the witnesses heard a whooshing sound when the being flapped its huge wings. Whoosh. The winged being fly, uh, flew into the trees and disappeared. Archer's brother contacted him when he saw my post of the recent uh, humanoid setting in Gary, Indiana. There's another one I may have covered, or maybe not. I don't know. There's a diff- different setting in Gary. Right. Uh, they had not told anyone else outside of the family at that point um, when they saw that person texted lon so lon strickler of phantoms and monsters who's been curating all this stuff so that's exciting that's the fun the monkey monster thing happening um let's see you've got another one here from uh prairie creek reservoir in indiana mm-hmm. th and his wife were traveling southbound on a county road about a mile south of the prairie creek reservoir near muncie indiana the date was december 26 2018 at dusk boxing day a huge flying object caught th's attention TH is a military veteran, a hunter, trapper, and farmer who lives in the immediate area. His knowledge of military flying craft, wildlife, and his keen sense of observance, okay, was apparent <laughs> observance of Boxing Day, I guess. <laughs> sense of observing <laughs> Boxing Day. Uh, was apparent. It's the seventh talking. sense. <laughs> exactly. Um, was apparent while I talked to him. The winged being, I keep saying winged, that's just how I pronounce that word. Maybe it's winged. How do you say it? I usually say winged. Okay. I guess I've just been saying it that way for the too long. Just very archaic. Winged being. No, I thought that, that's funny that you'd mentioned that. And I think less of you now. <laughs> that's fair. Um, the being that had wings that he was observing was unlike anything he had ever seen before. <laughs> Creature was flying just above treetop level and was easily visible to the witness. His reaction was to slam on his brakes in wonderment, exclaiming to his wife, did you see that? His wife was shaken by the sudden stop and was unable to react fast enough to see. Partially because she hit her head on the dashboard. (laughs) And was unconscious. Um, Unable to react fast enough to see the being with wings. (laughs) She stated that uh, that the being was humanoid in shape with an obvious face. 
Uh, the body had a length of approximately six to seven feet with bat-like wings that were extremely wide. The being was dark-colored and seemed to glide at a steady speed. He never noticed the flapping of wings while watching the creature. His wife states that he had um, been truly affected by the incident and has constantly me- uh, mentioned it to her in an attempt to explain what this winged <laughs> being really was. He refused to mention the incident outside of his family. When TH read about the, the recent sightings in Gary, Indiana, he called his wife from his job and asked her to contact me right away. He later called me when he got home. The witness was very forthcoming and anxious to find out what the creature was. So then Lon, and then, as he usually does, implores people to give him any more uh, info if they see anything else. There are a bunch <laughs> more after this. I'll just stop oh. there for now. <laughs> you can keep going if you want. I just uh, lost my mind over the <laughs> <laughs> on the spot editing to being with wings. <laughs> Very uh, funny. Here, I'll, I'll do one more. Here's the one in Indianapolis. Why not? Let's go for it. Um, a friend of mine just sent me an article on sightings about the humanoid flying type flying creature in Indiana. It had written it about a recent sighting. His friend is an it, I guess, <laughs> of uh, had a recent sighting of this thing. My girlfriend and I both witnessed the same creature about six years ago. Oh, this is from, okay, this is the wording of the eyewitness CJ. Six years ago, summer 2012, while traveling I-465 North headed to the Indianapolis International Airport around 3 a.m. The creature, Mothman, as we've been calling it, flew right in front of our windshield. It soared in between two buildings and came right in front of the van, taxi mm-hmm. van. I was on cab fare. It they're, turn- ta- they're talking about Mothman? Mothman. It turned its head and looked right at us with little red eyes. It then flapped its wings one time and flew to the left really fast. The wings were so beautiful. I'll never forget how amazing they were. It was a very bat-like being. You could almost see through his wings. Bat-like. You could see the veins bulging from all angles of the wings and light that illuminated Mm. through them in the background. (laughs) Sounds like a different kind of description we usually get from these things. Beautiful Uh, wings with bulging veins. (laughs) Uh, and I'll never for, oh, excuse me. And I'll never forget the eyes. Ouch! They were, sorry, they were piercing and felt as Was if that they looked in cap-sized forty-five font. <laughs> yes, and they looked right into my soul. It was definitely a very deep feeling. You were falling in love at first he sight. Really, he's like, I yeah. wanted to fuck that Mothman <laughs> so badly. You know how funny. You know how funny. Okay, and you know how. Okay, one more time, and you know, funny thing was. And you know, funny thing was, even this. Oh man, wait! And you know, funny thing was. Okay. That's the. That's it. It ends at a question mark, though. Oh how? Wait, at the end of. It's, and was? you know, funny thing was question mark. And you know, funny thing was. Yeah. And you know, funny thing was. That's there. You go. There you go. That's the case they're going for. Yeah. Even though this massive thing flew so close in front of the van, I felt I was going to hit him. I never once put my brakes on, and I think back about that and why I didn't a lot. I mean, I'm a taxi driver with a chauffeur license trained to be safe and cautious. This is some it, fucking character. You know, right never here. once slammed on my brakes or attempted to stop. Just thought I should contact you. I hope to hear back from you. I would like to know more about this thing. We want to tell someone bigger than just our circle of friends and family, but didn't know who. Mm-hmm. CJ. And uh, Lon is definitely a big name in this particular uh, field of Apparently weird shit. so. So that's um that's some updates for now on that there's plenty more to come don't you worry i want to use some of the language from cj not craig's story to see if that doesn't bring me to lon strickler's page so why are you trying to see if it'll go to his website because i feel like this is a character that lon strickler made up well it goes to his website because this person has supposedly contacted him directly oh this this account was coming from what the cj witness said to him oh there it is Singular 40 and also, I think, reposted this. Okay, yeah. I mean, they both tend to repost each other a lot. Anyway, 
What do you know? Yeah. Spooky. So there's some more kooky happenings out in the kind of Great Lakes area. I can't wait with to hear flying more. weird stuff. There's plenty more to come. Everyone, please use cameras. Just have cameras that are ready. Dash cameras. Dash just cams. at all times. Uh, body cameras. You know, in the meantime, you can use them as a way to brag to your friends that you did indeed make that yellow light or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, I don't even know. You can video the freaking speed traps or whatever and like... But, you know, there's a chance to catch Mothman. Mothman? The Mothman. Or the sh- the Phantom. The Phantom of oh, Chicago. Uh, let me say Or the Phantom of the Chicago. Yeah, it sounds more conclusive. <laughs> Segment ending. Uh, all right. So, my story comes mostly from Ranker.com, an article by April A. Taylor, but also from CryptoZoo News. I kind of pieced them together. The majority is from Ranker. And it is about the Enfield Horror. <gasps> So this is something that I, I didn't realize was as well known as it is, mm-hmm. um, but I thought it was pretty fun and kooky, so I decided I would talk about it mm-hmm. anyone out there who might not have heard about it before. The Enfield Horror, not to be confused with the Enfield Poltergeist, which was actually mm-hmm. around the same time, but was in England. It was horrifying. Yes. Um, <laughs> was a cryptid observed by several people in 1973. Also known as the Enfield Monster, this disturbing looking beast made its home in Enfield, Illinois. Uh, Illinois. It's become Canada. That's the only way we pronounce the word Illinois from now on. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait, which you know, word? I think I already... Which s- word? Illinois. Oh, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think at the beginning when I talked about the Phantom of the Chicago, I already pronounced it. Well, it was Indiana. I don't know. It was Indiana. I, yeah, anyway. Or, as I like to say, Indiana. <laughs> as we all do. This tiny village boasts fewer than 500 residents today, a population drop of approximately 200 people since the beast made its first appearance. Perhaps what happened in Enfield back in the 70s was terrifying enough to convince people to move away and never come back. Just some of them, not all of them. <laughs> yeah. The beast's own appearance, as described by various witnesses, sounds like something most reasonable people seek to avoid at all costs. It could also just be that a tiny town like that doesn't have a huge economy and not everyone wants to just stay there. <laughs> uh, yeah, turns out. But that's, you know, maybe not. Several people saw the monster, although many discrepancies exist concerning its physical appearance. Hmm. Regardless of exactly what it looks like, Enough credible eyewitness accounts and evidence appears to back up this story. In other words, the Enfield horror just might be real instead of merely an urban legend, and may be uh, may still be waiting in Illinois for intrepid travelers and cryptid enthusiasts. Mm. I like to add, or also not. <laughs> yeah, or, uh, or or it isn't. Yeah, could any could of totally that not be? When there are enough credible witnesses to something this fantastical, the conclusion is that, wow, something really must have happened to these people. Mm-hmm. Not that, wow, the exact thing they're reporting is definitely the only thing that could have happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone thinks they saw this thing, so that's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the physical description of the Enfield horror makes it sound ridiculous, my editorializing. <laughs> According to eyewitnesses, <laughs> the monster sports three legs. Lee horrifying, I'm sure legs, you mean. Uh, three legs, gray fur, huge pink eyes, two arms attached to the front of its body, <laughs> Instead of, I guess, shoulders, just like off of the front, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And stands approximately four and a half feet tall. It's a bulba. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's it's exactly what it is. <laughs> no word, as far as I can tell, on the appearance of its genitals, which is highly suspect lack in this story, or mm-hmm. lacking in this story. Uh, additional reports state the beast's body resembles that of a monkey. At least one witness pointed out the body had a somewhat humanoid appearance. Despite its allegedly misshapen shape, excellent word choice, the creature apparently boasts impressive speed and agility, and it screeches like a wildcat. It is a bulba. (laughs) 
I was kidding at first. Just yells things just throw, and throw, teeth throw really a third loud. leg on that bad boy. Yeah. Uh, Henry unless, Mc- hmm? unless that third leg is uh, something else. Uh, <laughs> Henry McDaniel was the first person to report seeing the Enfield Horror, although later accounts claim the beast appeared 30 minutes prior in Greg Garrett's backyard. <laughs> but on April 25th, 1973, McDaniel's children told him of a creature scratching the house. When McDaniel went to investigate. He found himself face to face with the monster. Slamming the door as any sensible person would do, McDaniel ran to his gun. Imagine him just very carefully America. and conscientiously slamming the door. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sensible way One of closing minute. the door. <laughs> In McDaniel's own words, quote, it had three legs on it, he said. A short body, two little short arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half to five feet tall and was grayish colored. Hmm. It was trying to get into the house. McDaniel, in no mood to entertain the visitor, grabbed a pistol and opened fire. Quote, when I fired the first shot, he said, I know I hit it. Uh, the creature hissed like a wildcat and bounded away, covering 75 feet in three jumps, and disappeared into the bush along a railroad embankment that runs near the McDaniel home. I want to point out that the double use of the word wildcat to describe it is from two different articles talking oh, about wow. it. So it's just them using each other's language probably. I will also just say right now that as ridiculous as this sounds, if it really did happen, holy shit. Oh my God. Yeah. How awful would that be? Oh my God. You, see you, t- you, t- you open the door because your kids say, oh some- my fucking God. Yeah, something, it's like something scratching the house. So you open the door and it's just right there. Like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Slam the door, grab a gun, open it, shoot the thing, and it just snarls at you and jumps away. And then, like, seeing it disappear into some bushes, I would just be sitting there like, that thing is going to come back. Yeah. For vengeance. And now it's mad, and bullets and don't kill really it. it's really mad, yeah. A 10-year-old boy, Greg Garrett, may have witnessed the creature slightly before this incident, like I said, about a half hour prior. According to his original police statement, Garrett was playing outside when he encountered a vicious, hideous creature. The Enfield horror, unafraid of the boy, approached Garrett, stepping on his feet in the process. Garrett stated, How horrible. <laughs> Garrett stated that the horror shredded his shoes. The police failed to find any tangible evidence in the family's yard later. What like, a weirdly specific <laughs> moment. Oh, shredded my shoes. <gasps> where the, oh, they're gone. Um, later <laughs> my on. My feet were fine. Yeah, this horrible monster stepped on my toes, uh, and uh, that's, that was it. That was, yeah. The worst thing that happened is it kind of messed <laughs> up my sneakers. Uh, later on, Garrett told researchers he never actually saw a monster and really wanted to tease Henry McDaniel. So, Ooh. sounds like it was just messed up. So, it's a good sign that all of this was really a real thing that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things keeping most cryptid stories from becoming verified or even seeming real <laughs> is a complete and utter lack of physical evidence. Yep. The Enfield horror sightings, however, proved to be a different scenario. Uh, well, sorry, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> No. (laughs) When police visited Henry McDaniel's house, they found unusual footprints with six toe pads, along with some odd scratch marks on the house. This corroborated McDaniel's story that the the beast tried to break into his home. Interestingly, the footprints appeared in a set of three, with one being smaller than the others. Are you fucking kidding me? Dick print. Um, surprisingly, even though McDaniel claimed the creature hailed from outer space, local police stated he appeared rational and sober during his witness statement. That's crazy. This almost certainly went a long way toward convincing other local residents the monster actually existed. When you combine this with Greg Garrett's account, it's not hard to imagine how Enfield Horror Madness began to grip the tiny town. Mm-hmm. You have one person saying, oh, this thing happened, and then this kid saying, and I'm not sure, I couldn't figure out exactly when the little kid 
said this how long afterward it was like he was that critical secondary witness yeah um but i don't know if it was so there's another sighting oh could have been um i don't know if he then afterwards like oh i'm gonna make up a story too or if he did it right away or not but anyway as a result police ended up investigating many more areas where others allegedly saw the creature Mm -hmm. Uh, the enfield horror seemed particularly interested in henry mcdaniel's property a mere 11 days later the creature returned and mcdaniel saw it roaming the railroad tracks near his home the appearance happened at 3 a.m., and McDaniel only witnessed it because a neighbor's dog's barking woke him up. Uh, this time, he refrained from shooting at the monster and watched it instead. Eventually, the creature ran off, and McDaniel went back to sleep. How could you possibly go back to sleep? And why wouldn't you call the police right away? I, I, I don't know. He's like, oh, there it is. Again, I think I'm just going to watch it this time. I'm like, well, hmm. there it goes. Doing what it does, I guess. Right, back to bed. Uh, yeah. I'll just go to sleep and not be awake all night thinking about how I just saw some fucking monster from outer space. <laughs> the same one I saw before that came to my house and tried to and get tried in. to break in and I shot probably. Not only is it still alive and out there, but also still right near my house. <laughs> Nothing has ever made me feel more sleepy and ready for bed than this. <laughs> uh, after all the publicity that the Enfield Horror received, three locals decided they wanted to find it. And WWKI News director Rick Rainbow joined them on the expedition. <laughs> It stands for what would kill it news. <laughs> what would kill it news where they just report on things that might kill other things. Mm-hmm. The force have made their way to an old abandoned house where they reportedly spotted the creature. Uh, Rainbow claims he recorded the Enfield, uh, the Enfield horrors blood curdling howl that day. This audio tape was later given to a cryptozoologist. Now I could not find this recording, which pisses me off so much. I'll try to search right now. Alrighty beautiful wings <laughs> veins bulging <laughs> no i'm just kidding okay so the recording was given to a cryptozoologist and that cryptozoologist oh just our boy lauren coleman aka lauren no the other lauren coleman uh coleman visited enfield after hearing about the so-called monster after listening to rick rainbow's alleged audio recording of the Enfield horror. Do you say alleged or alleged? I say uh, allegade. Okay. Uh, I'm just second guessing everything about the English language today now. Alleged. Okay. God damn, I always say alleged. Do you? I do. Oh, wow. Were you born in 1785? I think more like 1432 or something. You just like kind of tail end of Elizabethan sort of uh, language <laughs> patterns. Oh, actually, no, that, that was 1500s. Damn it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. Wait, when was Elizabethan times? Elizabeth. We are just... You do that. No, no, this is good. I'm still looking for the Enfield horror sounds. I told you I tried to find it there, Shell. It wasn't that easy. Oh, you never 1558 know. to 1603 was Elizabethan times. So going back, I think I was more like late Middle Ages by saying 1400s. I don't know anything about anything. Coleman visited Enfield after hearing about the so-called monster. After listening to Rick Rainbow's supposed audio recording of the Enfield horror, uh, Coleman went to Henry McDaniel's house and examined the remaining physical evidence. While at the McDaniel home, Coleman heard what he described as strange, screeching, banshee-like sounds. The clawed-up sighting, the audio evidence, and what he heard with his own ears left the cryptozoologist wondering if the beast actually lived in Enfield instead of merely in the imagination of a few residents. Right. So I guess case closed. He went there. He was like, oh, I heard some stuff. And those, uh, maybe it's real. And then that thing th- must that's be it. real, not just someone making sounds. So that's that. A hunting party headed into the woods with the intention of finding and presumably shooting the Enfield horror. Though they failed to accomplish their goal, all five men claimed to have spotted something gray running away, causing them to open fire. 
They just started shooting randomly at anything they could find, I guess. Die, die, die. Uh, later, local police charged them with threatening public safety and, hunt- and hunting violations, with the sheriff disbelieving their reports about seeing the creature. Mm-hmm. About a month later, after the initial incident in a uh, nearby town of Edwardsville, police received and checked three reports of a musty-smelling, red-eyed, human-sized being said to be lurking in the woods on the eastern edge of town. Hmm. The creature reportedly was more than five and a half feet tall and broad-shouldered, with eyes that apparently were sensitive to light. It sounds more it like made, a squizach. It does. It made no sound when it walked. Uh, the witnesses said that the thing chased them, and one man told police that the creature ripped his shirt and clawed his chest. Holy fuck. Uh, this, this is from the cryptozoologist. Up until that point, it sounded very much like your boy foot. <laughs> boy foot. The cryptozoo news. Well, it's, yeah, Cryptozoo News um, article actually goes on to try and make the case that this and a series of other random sightings in the area were all connected. Mm-hmm. And the Riker article kind of gets there in a minute, too, but not yet. So in the Riker article, they say, as with any other cryptid story, many locals started looking for a rational way to explain an irrational situation. Some decided that the Enfield horror was a kangaroo, as a man did report losing one the, oh. year, the year before. That's hilarious. Which I like the casual notion that some guy in this town just happened to yeah. lose a kangaroo oh, the oh, year yeah. prior. Uh, by the way, in this town of six hundred, or at this point, I guess like eight hundred people, someone owned a kangaroo and it happened to get loose the year prior. So like, oh, you know, whatever. Pretty rude of him. <laughs> Ruad. Yes, and it makes total sense to give the idea of three legs and stuff that it could be a kangaroo, as far as the way they kind of hop and use their their tail. very strong tail as an additional limb. But McDaniel insisted that he had been all over the world, lived in different countries, different continents, and even had a pet kangaroo once. And this was no kangaroo, what he had seen. (laughs) What I could not determine was whether it was his kangaroo that escaped or if that means that two different people in this (laughs) tiny town independently owned kangaroos at some point. Or maybe he was just really cryptically referring to the fact that he thought it was a wallaby. (laughs) (laughs) Also possible. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say it didn't look like a wallaby. I just said it wasn't a kangaroo. Like I was saying, this clearly isn't a kangaroo. I know the difference, and this wasn't a kangaroo. Right. <laughs> but yeah, potentially more than one person in this little tiny town owned kangaroos in their lives. Stranger things have happened. I guess. Others deduced that the creature was nothing more than a wild ape. We get hmm. this all the time in Illinois, they say. <laughs> so yeah, no, no big, just a wild ape. You know, that's all. Additional guesses included a bear, a wild cat of some kind, and a large dog. Hmm. On the completely irrational end of the spectrum, some claim the Enfield horror was real and was actually an alien, a failed genetic experiment, or a demon. Naturally. As ever I say, why not all three? Why not all three, yeah. Stories of the Enfield horror began to disappear just as a new creature, the Mount Vernon monster, showed up in Virginia. Also, I think if it was all three, it would have escaped from the video game Doom. Yes, probably. Uh, people started hunting the Mount Vernon monster in 1979 after its muted but disturbing wail began startling local area residents. Ugh, creepy. The claim here is that maybe the same monster just worked its way east. That's why they stopped seeing it mm-hmm. in Enfield and started seeing it out in uh, Virginia instead. Right. Similar kind of frightening screams and stuff. Also couldn't find a recording of the Mount Vernon monster. If I can in the coming week, I will post it next week and we can cool. talk about it a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, I could not find examples could make for a tantalizing mini-sode Ooh, interesting that'd be a cool thing to check out behind the paywall wouldn't it yes lost <laughs> in the abstraction of financial requirements yes and all what two or three people would listen to it. oh yeah they'll be freaked out but everyone else will be like whatever dude 
Um, the Washington Post interviewed local game warden Ralph Stickman during the height of these odd noises, and he indicated they were absolutely real. Police officers even looked for the source of the nocturnal wailing, although they disbelieved the locals who reported seeing a creature that sounds a lot like the Enfield Horror. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something weird sounding was there for a while. People definitely heard it, uh, confirmed it. Seems like it was definitely happening. Was it a monster? Eh, probably not, but eh, mm-hmm. it was just, maybe it was even the same monster. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So, what happened? There, why? Uh, many people reported uh, seeing <laughs> the Enfield Horror during the brief span of just a few days the point where it caught the attention of some sociologists at Western Illinois University. Huh. Okay. It didn't confirm whether the monster was real, but the sociologists confirmed that a very real thing did happen to every witness. Here we go. Uh, David L. Miller and his team determined that the Enfield Horror story grew into a social contagion, as they put it. Yes. So they kind of use it as a case study for like, oh, oh this so sort funny. of thing spread like wildfire. So in other words, people became convinced they saw or heard something that wasn't there because they believed in the creature's existence. Right. So this is everything we talk about on the time. A little the old M.H. We talk about on the show all the time. Uh, we often refer to it as social priming or, as you just hinted, in more extreme cases, mass hysteria. Meep. Whatever you want to call it, it's the same idea, which is people starting to get excited or nervous or otherwise just amped Engaged. on a particular idea. And then that kind of informing their interpretation of subsequent experiences. So you get more anxious. You start to be more aware of little sounds you might not have heard before. And then you, you attribute you, the you, shit out exactly, of those Exactly, exactly. And so you start to think that everything is this thing you now are convinced is out there and going to show up. Because the fact is, no matter how sound of mind you may be, you are suggestible as hell. Oh, yes. It is simply the condition of the human mind. And it uh, doesn't take much to nudge oneself into total crazy town <laughs> exactly. with the right mixture because you gotta remember even with a story as far-fetched sounding as this at the time it was just freaking news it's like cops and the local paper and people you know going this is really happening and so before you know it i mean i know for a fact if that was happening right now i'd be like i don't believe it but i'm also looking out my window right now yes, exactly <laughs> um, luckily we both live on the second floor of our respective apartments so that helps a little bit that's true but yeah, it's it's crazy to think about. Um, and then that minuscule chance of it actually having been a thing. Oh my god! <laughs> but not a kangaroo. Certainly not. Because he knows no circumstances. Right. That's cool. So that is the tale of the Enfield horror. Thank you very much. I was vaguely familiar with it. I knew the broad strokes details, and I remember seeing a goofy illustration of what it was supposed to look like probably make for a good episode card actually yeah the, um, the i do have several of ones i can show you afterward we can decide on which i one have one in there. mind um they are quite silly looking. they're very goofy but of course it's the kind of thing that is goofy in a comic book and horrifying if seen in real life if if any of that kind of stuff were real like, oh oh no oh, <laughs> oh no oh my god but um that was cool yeah very fun awesome well at 7.15 on the morning of June 30th, 1908, something happened in the sky above the stony Tunguska River in Siberia. Ooh, I don't know what this could be. Not in that specific place. <laughs> Jake, why are you writing out in very large letters, I know what happened? <laughs> oh, that's unrelated. That's for a different thing later. Oh, okay. You're writing them very large and you're also now writing on a separate card. No, this is actually about what you're about to talk about. Oh, that, that's also about a different thing you're about to talk about later. Oh, okay. Yeah. A man is sitting on the front porch of a trading post at Vanavara in Siberia 
Little does he know, in a few moments, he will be hurled from his chair, and the heat will be so intense, he will feel as though his shirt is on fire. Wow. That's how the Tunguska event felt. 40 miles from ground zero. Damn. That's a long way. Further thousands of people in a radius of as much as 900 miles would also observe what would come to be called the Tunguska event, with more than 700 relevant accounts collected later. Reports variously describe what appeared to be a fireball descending through the sky, larger or similar in size and brightness to the sun, followed by not just one, but a series of explosions with a frightful sound, unquote, uh, quote unquote. I say similar in size and brightness. I picture it similar in actual size. Oh, absolutely. I (laughs) actually, I had written several versions of things qualifying that it was not... (laughs) actually the size of the sun because that's exactly what i thought um (laughs) this this and other parts of my story today come from an article in forbes and uh nasa cool so right this fireball's falling down followed by a series of explosions with a quote frightful sound unquote and a terrible shaking of the ground as if quote the earth and everything on it would fall into the abyss oh the indigenous peoples believed a god or shaman had sent the fireball to destroy the world do you say shaman no, I don't. Thank God. Meteorological stations in Europe that's recorded... That's a shaman. A shaman. Um, that's a shame, man. Uh, meteorological <laughs> stations in Europe recorded both seismic and atmospheric waves, and days later, strange phenomena were observed in the sky of Russia and Europe, such as glowing clouds, colorful sunsets, and a strange luminescence in the night. You know that's strange, because Russia only has dingy, dull, gray sunsets. <laughs> While newspapers of the day reported a supposed meteorite impact or speculated about a possible volcanic explosion, since similar strange atmospheric events were observed after the 1883 eruption of Krakatoa, mm-hmm. the inaccessibility of the region and Russia's unstable political situation at the time prevented any further scientific investigations. It was not until 1921 that a Russian mineralogist named Leonid Kulik of the Russian Meteorological Institute set out to recover from the impact site what he expected to be the remnant metals of a meteorite. Hmm. On April 13th of 1927, he discovered a large area covered with rotting logs, evidence of a huge explosion that had apparently flattened more than 80 million trees across 820 square miles, roughly uh, 2,124 kilometers. Man. Only at the epicenter of the explosion, in the, quote, forest of Tunguska, did he find trees that were still standing with all branches and bark burned off. So this is the old telephone pole tree look. Gotcha. Despite exploring the entire area, Kulik and his team didn't locate a single large crater, but did find some circular pits that they interpreted as being craters produced by small fragments. Hmm. However, no meteoric, uh, meteoritic material was ever discovered. Kulik stuck to his guns, though, and suggested that an extraterrestrial body of some kind had indeed exploded in the atmosphere, causing the observed fireball and devastation, but that the fragments likely became buried in the swampy ground, which was too soft to preserve the typical morphology of an impact crater. It was a reasonable theory, and one that has largely stood the test of time. The issue is, as the global scientific community has not been able to gather much more info on whatever happened on that chilly morning 110 years ago... The Tunguska event has naturally become a canvas for all manner of theories and speculation. Though I can't imagine people speculating wildly about something like that at all. No, yeah. Though unlike many other unexplained events, ideas have been historically put forward by largely earnest and well-informed minds. Hmm. So, Jake, what do you think it was? I... Extraterrestrials go boom. 
Yeah, exactly. I do think it was something along those lines. Uh, boom. Some have suggested that instead of a meteorite, it was a comet that exploded over the area. Since comets are composed mostly of ice, one would have ah. been completely vaporized during the impact, uh, leaving no traces behind. After the first atomic bombs were detonated in 1945, engineer and sci-fi writer Alexander Kazantsus, Kazantsus? I don't know, <laughs> um, offered the more playful suggestion of a kind of extraterrestrial nuke, citing both the destruction patterns and geomagnetic disturbances recording at, recorded at the station of Irkutsk, uh, which were similar to those seen in a nuclear blast. Hmm. In 1973, auspicious year, I believe that was in your story as well. I think it was the same year. American physicists proposed in the journal Nature that a small black hole had collided with Earth. What? In Nature? <laughs> Causing some sort of matter-antimatter reaction in Earth's atmosphere and resulting in the huge explosion observed over Tunguska. Way easier to get into that journal back then. I tell you what. Uh, still, reports describing a fireball descending on the tundra, the presence of impact-related minerals like nanodiamonds, metallic and silicate spherules and sediments, and the mapped distribution and direction of the flattened trees pointing away from the explosion site all support explosion of a cosmic body as the most compelling explanation for the event. Mm -hmm. Based on the energy of the explosion, equivalent to an estimated 10 to 15 megatons of TNT, scientists propose either a 2,700-foot in diameter uh, comet or a 100 to 300 foot large meteorite exploding at an elevation of three to six miles above ground. Wow. In either case, that's still just huge. Quite a bit of something. Although, as you described, how many trees were knocked down and stuff, just seeing the photos of all of it is, it's really astounding just it's how much... otherworldly, yeah, destruction was... Absolutely. ...rot. However, there are some complications with the idea that the Tunguska event was one, uh, was of what we might call typical extraterrestrial origin. Some accounts describe a series of explosions that sounded like a battery of artillery fire, lasting hmm. more than 10 minutes, which, were, uh, which are hard to reconcile with what should have essentially been one big impact explosion sound. Yeah. Further, the limited geological evidence recovered from the site can also be explained by background sedimentation of cosmic dust, as many small meteorites are disintegrated every day in Earth's atmosphere. Um, in 2007, uh, Luca Gasparini and his research team of the University of Bologna, Bologna? Bologna. I say Bologna. Yeah. <laughs> proposed that a small lake located nearby, Lake Checo, may have formed by the impact of a fragment of the Tunguska meteorite. Lake Chico, or Chico, or whatever. I said Cheeto. <laughs> Lake Cheeto is usually unusually deep for the region, and cheesy, <laughs> which is otherwise characterized by shallow ponds formed by melting permafrost. While there's also no record of the lake existing before 1908, the region was poorly mapped or explored at that time. So basically they're saying, here's this huge lake in a region where we basically just have little pothole you know melt water pools mm -hmm. where did that come from especially if we don't have records before the event probably a giant chunk of something makes sense made a pit there uh still folks at nasa are happy to accept the cosmic rocky body theory says don yeomans manager of the near earth objects office at nasa's jet propulsion laboratory quote the generally agreed upon theory is that on the morning of june 30th uh, 1908, a large space rock about 120 feet across entered the atmosphere of Siberia and then detonated in the sky. 
uh, unquote. It is, est- it is estimated an asteroid entered Earth's atmosphere traveling at a speed of about 33,500 miles per hour. Super fast. During its quick plunge, the 220 million pound space rock heated the air surrounding it to 44,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. At 7.17 a.m. local Siberian time, at a height of about 28,000 feet, the combination of pressure and heat caused the asteroid to fragment and annihilate itself, producing a fireball and releasing energy equivalent to about 185 Hiroshima bombs. Wow. (laughs) Quote, that is why there is no impact crater, said Yeomans. The great majority of the asteroid is consumed in the explosion. Yeomans and his colleagues at JPL's Near-Earth Object Office are tasked with plotting the orbits of present-day comets and asteroids that cross Earth's path and could be potentially hazardous to our planet. Yeomans estimates that, on average, a Tunguska-sized asteroid will enter Earth's atmosphere once every 300 years or so. Hmm. And wouldn't you know it, in 2013, another meteor fell over Russia, Yes. this time flying over the populated uh, Chelyabinsk Oblast? which is like a region that is occupied. <laughs> yes. Um, and in our now digital age, this one was recorded by all the cameras. So I actually have some footage and audio we could play. Oh, do you want to hook up the audio thing? Real quick. I was talking about dash cams earlier, and this is a country where everyone pretty much has a dash cam because of the way, I think because of the way auto insurance works there, uh, you have to prove your claims. There's no other way, so everyone just has the dash camera to say, see, he hit I me, see. this is what happens. But also, it's a country where people just kind of take a lot of stuff in stride in ways you would not expect, <sighs> and a lot of the reactions to the Chelyabinsk like, meteor in the air are really blasé in a really impressive way right out of my mouth (laughs) you see this footage and you expect people to be driving their cars into telephone poles because of distraction and fear also when people there drive their cars in telephone poles (laughs) they also are like yeah like there's i have to find a video of um, someone driving their car off the road over a bridge into a river and then floating down the river and they're still just like kind of having conversation like, oh, well, this has happened. All right. Like, <laughs> That's it's, some uh, shit, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There's a, there's, I don't know if people in that region are just really jaded or what, but you or I would be just freaking out if this were Borderline happening to us. terminal. Yeah. Um, the video itself is 10 minutes, basically clipped together cuts of shitloads of dash cam and CC. Or CC? CCTV, yeah. CCTV. Closed circuit. Television. I always say something else, and I am trying to figure out closed caption. That's what I. Oh, that's what I usually yeah. say wrong. <laughs> um, that's why I hesitated so strongly. <laughs> but you will hear at the start uh, some audio of it. Yeah, if you saw that, you'd think it was the apocalypse. Look Absolutely. at that thing. Yeah, someone's office being just blown. Like its windows smashing in. So being big explosion. Knocked but sideways. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that cool? There's yeah. that rolling pop, 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 pop. Yeah, pop. like our, the sustained artillery fire. Which is exactly what people reported. That is really, really cool. Tunguska event. And so anyway, the rest of it is variations on the theme. I want to see this one just because it's cool. Wow, it's so bright. Absolutely looks like the brightness of the sun. And in fact, it was brighter. Yeah. Even then, the sun. Um in those moments and the exact same size as the sun yes a million times larger (laughs) than the earth (laughs) so the chelyabinsk meteor uh came in at a very shallow angle and after a massive airburst explosion that we all just heard Mm -hmm. about 18.5 miles or almost 30 kilometers above the ground 
was largely spent. Still, even as a relatively small meteorite measuring 20 meters across, infrasound and seismic measurements estimated that the, the Chelyabinsk explosion was equivalent to the blast yield of 400 to 500 kilotons of TNT. Wow. 26 to 33 times as much energy as that released from the atomic bomb of Hiroshima. Okay. So still a shitload of yes. explosive power. About 1,500 people were injured, mostly from falling or shattered glass, and some 7,200 buildings in six cities across the region were damaged by the explosion's shockwave. Hmm. So just goes to show how devastating these things can be, even when they don't hit the planet yeah. uh, full on. And how lucky it is that the Tunguska event yeah. happened so far from any major city or anything when it did happen. Absolutely. Witnesses in uh, Chelyabinsk said that the air of the city smelled like gunpowder, sulfur, and burning odors starting about one hour after the fireball and lasting all day. Hmm. Um, and as I've mentioned already, the visuals and audio recorded immediately recall what had been described during the Tunguska event, and it's not hard to imagine how a rock three to ten times the size coming in at that much steeper an angle could have caused that much more devastation. Totally. That's what I got for you today. That's very cool. I yeah, I, I've heard in the past I've seen specials about the Tunguska event and stuff, and that was you know back in the '90s and stuff. So I, I didn't know a whole lot. And and this is yeah, well before the Chelyabinsk occurrence happened, so there's nothing to compare it to right. really so directly as that. Um, very cool to talk about it now after having seen that, being able to compare. It. And then the sound in particular, I really like that particular detail. I you know it's funny because I looked for that video, having recalled seeing that footage years ago when yeah. it was released but i'd never heard audio and that just happened to be part of the track at the very beginning of the video and i'm like holy shit yeah it's exactly as they described in the old account it's so cool because that was one of the major things that left me going i wonder what it really could have been because that doesn't seem like what i would expect yeah to i hear. was trying to picture something that could account for a sustained explosion it sounds like well i don't know because people repeatedly go oh yeah artillery fire fire or the sound of like rocks on the roof falling over and over again yeah now i wondered then so now that we know, okay, there's an example of that happening, so it totally happens. So now I'm wondering why it makes that sound. Do you think it could be a matter of, I mean, certainly if it fragments, there's a lot of smaller things to explode. Right. And then maybe it's just the distance from where you're seeing it causes it to kind of be parsed out over time, or? Maybe. I mean, I'm entirely spitballing here, but sound waves, if you have one lar large wave followed by smaller and smaller from an explosion, so yeah. you get sort of an... Uh, compression effect of boom 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 yeah, it makes sense if but it's the amount of just distortion to the air it would cause exactly there's no reason why that couldn't be the case uh, unless there is a reason we're not physicists we don't know so maybe yes. there's a reason why it couldn't be the case <laughs> if you're a physicist please write in contact at super .com. just subject lines tunguska event uh body of the email no no That's all yeah. I say. no you're dumb yeah you don't write the name you're dumb part you can say you're dumb. it's implied <laughs> yeah but yeah so there you go that's, that's very cool the fact that both these events happened over russia at first seems like really <laughs> what kind of luck is that but then you think about asia as a landmass, and oh, really the yeah. odds are that something hitting earth is going to either be over the pacific ocean or over asia like those are the yeah. two biggest targets effectively just the probability is there right so right it makes sense that it would happen but again, lucky that it didn't do worse damage than it, it actually did. Lucky Absolutely. that it was higher up, smaller. It could have been pretty nasty. But just the the kind of devastation from the Dickenguska event will definitely um, link to some photos of, oh, of yeah, some, all the totally. flattened trees. Like It's just 
acres and acres of trees all pointing in the same direction, just that's, away from the explosion. It's such a crazy image. And that is another thing that's made it hard to study is by now everything has grown in. Yeah. If you look around online, I think it's bullshit. There are like images of what look to be a circle in the ground of <laughs> shot from well up above and they're like Tunguska explosion like never fully grew back in like something weird's going on Ooh, here yeah. we don't really know what happened we don't know the full story it's like yeah. <laughs> probably like shot in the fall or something you when probably like, a lot of just, foliage yeah, you know, around, something know. they're they're taking well, advantage of some bullshit not that I guess it'd be evergreens up there but still so some kind of silly thing yeah it's either that or it's just entirely something else and they're just going oh look it's Tunguska oh. you know, what we could try and do is look at uh, look for a Google Earth um, image right over now. sure yeah and um, if you could see what that looks like from above. Um, so now I'm looking at oh Google well, Earth. You do still see, yeah. There is a kind of circular shape. Yeah, that is a vaguely roundish, but it's hard to say whether or not that is just part of the natural topography. There's, I mean, for what was, what did they say, an eighty mile square radius? Yeah. We've zoomed out to two miles now, and uh, everything looks just fine. Yeah, no, nothing looks any different from just Let me anywhere zoom else. Out quite a bit further, maybe all of a sudden a giant circle will appear. That'd be <laughs> arrow pointing towards there. Yeah, uh, yeah. The further you zoom here. out, the more normal it looks. Really. Yeah, you wouldn't know from space. No, it would be very cool to go there and walk in that forest and just see all the fallen logs still underneath the canopy just on the ground they're all laying in that same orientation like that be very eerie i'm sure absolutely but yeah nature be strange so space even more so she wildin a couple of episodes prior we uh, i think titled it as such space is strange space is strange space Space is is strange strange. (laughs) indeed so yeah that's that's our potpourri episode for this week we gave you some variety i think i hope you're fucking satisfied (laughs) And I hope it smelled weird but good. Yep. And uh, Like the show. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we look forward to catching you next time. We'll have some kind of neat theme picked out, I'm sure. We'll find we'll something out. <laughs> interesting and strange. We uh, we always fly by the seat of our pants on this show. That's very true. And uh, we hope you like our pants seat flying as much as we do. And with that, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>